Welcome to the first episode of the Husker Big Red Podcast. I'm Chris Peterson, and joining me is Danny Gillette as we recap Big Ten Media Days and look ahead to the 2022 Nebraska football season. All right, Danny. Well, uh, it was an exciting day for Nebraska football fans on Tuesdays. We got to see Scott Frost and Garrett Nelson, uh, Travis Vokalek, um, and some other guys, you know, take the podium at Big Ten Media Days. And uh, just to get your perspective, um, you know, what were some of your key takeaways from, uh, you know, Nebraska's time at the podium yesterday? Well, Garrett Nelson had a quote that said, you know, he just wants to see Coach Scott Frost happy again. And that kind of stuck out to me because, you know, it's been a couple of rough years for Frost. Let's be honest here, 15 and 29 during his tenure at Nebraska. And this is truly a make or break year for him. I mean, yes, it's a new staff. Yes, it's a new offensive system. Yes, we have a new quarterback. But, you know, they have to win. They have to win. Um, You know, the fact that he got a vote of confidence from athletic director Trev Alberts at the end of last season, I thought, was good on Albert's part, but now he has to show, meaning Frost, you know, that he can win football games. The pieces are in place, but, you know, the program is going to be caught in this difficult, you know, situation where, yes, they have new pieces, but they also have to win. So that kind of really stuck out to me, that quote. And then, you know, just the fact that Garrett Nelson said he wanted to win and that he hasn't won in his college career, that just kind of continued to hammer home the point that Nebraska really hasn't been successful recently. And yes, I know all of you that are going to watch this probably are saying, well, no shit. Let's be honest. No shit. Of course they got to win. But, you know, it's easier said than done, at least lately. Yeah, you know, it's it's been frustrating because this team has had talent. You know, if you look at somebody put together the the 24-7 composite talent rankings since Frost has been the head coach, and Nebraska's actually had more talent than any other team in the Big Ten West. So it's like, why can't we beat Wisconsin and Iowa and Purdue? You know, it just it's really frustrating, but I do feel really confident, you know, in this new staff. Um, you know, I love the recruiting, and I think – Another thing, too, just hitting the transfer portal. I think that's going to be a huge thing for Nebraska going forward. But, yeah, they've got to, they've got to win. It feels like almost like this is a new staff, except we're, we've got the same head coach. You know, So if this doesn't if, – if Nebraska doesn't pull out a winning season, I just don't see how you can give Bross another season. I, I think he's got to get seven wins. I really do. I just don't think six is enough. You know, if you go into a bowl game six and six, and then if you lose, you're six and seven. I just – Nebraska cannot have – you know, another losing season and try to, you know, move forward. So I think it's, it's time, you know, I know Scott Frost didn't give any fancy speeches yesterday in the Omaha, you know, world Herald and some of the, you know, Nebraska writers are really ripping him for that, but I don't care. You know, he said what he needed to say. He said that the program needed to get turned around, that they needed to win. And then that was the bottom line. And, you know, um, he's kind of had some bravado over the last few years that, you know, oh, we're, we're going to be tougher this year. We're going to match teams that, you know, I don't care about any of that stuff. I just want to see the results on the field. And and I feel confident, you know, after watching and listening to the guys yesterday that they know at least what, you know, what the task is for the season. Like I said on yesterday on Twitter, damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. I mean, you know, he he is he's aware that he needs to win. And you can just tell that he's aware that he needs to win. And just going back to your point on the coaching staff really quickly, 
I don't think Mickey Joseph comes here if there's not some sort of guarantee or clause in his contract that if things go south, he's the head coach. I mean, you leave LSU. Yes, it's LSU with Brian Kelly now, and I can share my thoughts on Brian Kelly. That could take up a whole podcast in of itself. But, um, you know, I think, you know, he knows that he has to win. And I know the Herald was looking for, you know, big time quotes and things like that. But if he had big time quotes, they'd also be writing a piece saying how he shouldn't, you know, promise anything after rough starts the past couple seasons. So you can't win. I don't blame him for saying nothing. And I think he's just ready to get the season going as we all are. Yeah, you know, and I, uh, I've i said this before, um, but I really, with this Nebraska team, I kind of get, you know, Michigan vibes from last year. You know, Jim Harbaugh was in a very similar situation. He did have a lot more success than Scott Frost, you know, before Michigan went two and four. But, you know, he was on the hot seat last year. He had revamped his, you know, basically over half of his coaching staff was new. You know, nobody, I think uh, Michigan was given like a 1% chance to win the Big Ten. And I'm not saying Nebraska is going to win the Big Ten this year, but I do think there's a strong chance that, you know, with Casey Thompson and with, you know, some of these big additions in the transfer portal and just, frankly, some of the talent, you know, kind of, you know, living up to its recruiting rankings with Nebraska, I do think that this team has a chance to win, you know, seven or eight games, especially if they can, you know, get off to a strong start in Dublin against Northwestern, which I think is going to be, to me, I think that's the most important game of the season. Yeah. And, you know, I think when you have a former head coach as an offensive coordinator and Mark Whipple, he was the head coach at UMass. I believe in 07, 08, or, or back end of the 2000s. But, you know, I think he will be able to get the most out of his quarterbacks. He knows what he's doing. It's not a new hire in the sense that he's a new coach. He's been around the block. Uh, yesterday, Frost talked about how he's how it's been a collaborative and fun effort with Whipple to call the plays. And, you know, I wouldn't mind if, Frost, you know, kind of took a back seat in terms of play calling and focused on other things because there's just so many things that he's going to need to focus on. And quite honestly, good head coaches, they don't do a whole lot of actual in-game coaching. They tend to manage their personnel. So if Frost feels comfortable enough to let his staff do the job there, then I would say that's a very good sign. Yeah, and I think, you know, yeah, I love the hire of Mickey Joseph, but I like the hire of Mark Whipple, you know, even better, um, just because, you know, I think he is going to be able to get the production out of the quarterback position. And to me, that's been the biggest issue for Nebraska. You know, Adrian Martinez put up a lot of great numbers, but he had a lot of key points where he just couldn't produce, you know, or they would, you know, get into the red zone and have to settle for field goals, which were always, you know, an adventure last season. So yeah, I think, Mark Whipple is going to be was a huge addition, and I think that that was a big step for Scott Frost to say, "Hey, you know, I need to change the way I'm doing things. Me calling this offense or whatever, it's not working. You know, special teams is terrible. So yeah, he he is needed in other parts of the field, and I think too just the game management part of it. You know, maybe instead of trying to call the plays, you know, he can focus on those big decisions, those game management things. Where in the past it just there's been some strange decisions there, and there's been reasons why Nebraska has not been able to win, you know, it seems like a single-possession game in years. Well, I think also, too, it's gone from coaching with his buddies to 
and I hate to say it like this, but actually getting quality coaches, um, actually getting quality coaches and not, you know, coaching with his friends. And yes, they may have had success at, at UCF, some of them, but UCF and Nebraska are in two totally different conferences just in terms of the way the game of football is played. And you mentioned, um, you know, Whipple as one of the better hires of the offseason. I'm really curious to see what Brian Applewhite will bring to the running backs room. He's brought in, you know, some good Texas recruits and recruiting, and he's kind of helped them plant the flag in Texas. But I'm curious to see what kind of identity the running back room will take on. I like what I hear so far and everything that he said to the media. But as we all know, you can talk a good game to the media. It's the execution that we need to see. Yeah, and I think, you know, to go back to Adrian Martinez, you know, I think one thing that made his job tough is there was so much on his plate. You know, he had to be the quarterback. He he was the leading rusher basically all the time. And I just think that that, that wear and tear, I do think, did lead to, you know, maybe some of those mistakes and turnovers, just not being as sharp physically, you know, getting worn down over the course of the game. So I think not having, you know, not making Casey Thompson carry the ball 10, 15, 20 times a game is going to be huge. And so I'm really hoping that we can see, you know, Ramir Johnson step up this year. Anthony Grant, I think, is, you know, we'll see what he can bring from the JUCO ranks. You know, I know they picked up A.J. Allen, too. Um, they got Yance. They, they got a lot of guys there. And uh, the offensive line, I think, is going to be huge, too. You know, Donovan Rayola, I think, is going to be a big addition there. The offensive line, you know, just what the, the technique and everything, it wasn't great last year. And if, if Nebraska's ever going to be Nebraska – They've got to have a solid offensive line. I mean, look at Wisconsin. Look at Iowa. That's the kind of offensive line Nebraska had when they were winning a lot of games, you know, in the 90s and even in the early 2000s. Um, You know, and so I think that's going to be a key thing. And, yeah, the running game is going to be they cannot run the football the way they have the past few years and expect to have success. And I think when you bring up the offensive line, I think that's crucial because they're – was undoubtedly some sort of drop off last year. I mean, you had Greg Austin, but the offensive line looked like a complete mess and it's going to be up to Rayola to really kind of get the most out of what he has. People were kind of freaking out because we didn't really get any impact offensive line transfers, but you have to remember, I believe Teddy Pertuzaka was a four-star recruit. You know, these guys were good coming out of high school. It's just been inconsistent coaching, you know, that's kind of failed them. And I guess, you know, you know, you could say that about the entire program recently, but the offensive line in particular has really, really struggled. So I would, I'm, I'm certainly not envying him being in the position to coach the line because I really do believe he's going to have a lot of work ahead of him. Yeah, for sure. And it's, uh, you know, yeah, you, you mentioned, um, you know, having four-star talent. I mean, Turner, Corcoran was almost a top 100 recruit a couple years ago, and they have kind of struggled to get him on the field. And that was kind of one thing that I thought was interesting from Scott Frost yesterday is he was talking about Corcoran, how he could be, you know, play at all five positions. So, I mean, it definitely sounds like, um, you know, Bennett's going to be maybe out there a right tackle, or at least, you know, if he can step up in that way. But yeah, they've got talented recruits. They just have got to find a way to, to get them pr- to produce. And hopefully, you know, Rayola can do that. I do like, you know, as a Nebraska, you know, longtime Nebraska fan, I like to see them getting those guys with Nebraska ties back on the staff, you know, Rayola, Mickey Joseph. Um, I do think that impo- that that is important. I think that helps with recruiting for sure. 
Yeah, and the you know some of the Nebraska high school coaches talked about it in February. I remember reading an article from the Journal Star that said, you know, with the previous group of coaches, we've kind of felt forgotten about. We kind of felt like, you know, the the staff didn't care about us. Now with Mickey and you know Mark and Donovan back, they're really focusing on the Nebraska area, and so far it's paid dividends in terms of recruiting. Now, if they can land Malachi Coleman, then I'll really say that it's paid dividends, but he's the next kind of big name in my mind in terms of, you know, can we keep top-tier talent in the state of Nebraska? Yeah, and that's, you know, we were going to talk recruiting, and that's a great segue to do it. Malachi Coleman um, just recently, you know, moved his decision date up to October 15th, I believe. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, yeah, I've been feeling good about Malachi Coleman, but I think, uh, you know, that Nebraska still has work to do. I think there definitely has work to do, and I think it's going to be, you know, one of those things where they have to prove it on the field. You know, I don't think if Nebraska, you know, loses to Northwestern or something, and, you know, they're sitting there like, Two and three. I don't. I don't think Malachi Coleman's committing. Then, if that's the case, is that? Do you share that view? Yeah, because if you know he's committing October fifteenth. At that point, we're in the middle of the season. If things go well and they win, I don't know how many games are before that. I'd say probably four or no five or six or so. If they're like, let's just say five and one, six and zero, oh, four and two, then I could see him committing. If they get off to a slow start and they, you know you know, start or at two and four or something like that, then I don't see Coleman coming here. I mean, it's all about, you know, trying to build the program and selling a good product and, you know, weight rooms and, you know, pump up speeches can only go so far. It's about the product on the field. And, you know, I could see Coleman has a bunch of offers out there from Oregon to Georgia. So it's not like he has a shortage of options. So Nebraska better start winning or at least winning by October 15th if they want to land Coleman. Yeah, I know Michigan too, you know, they were really interested in him and I think they were actually looking at him as an edge rushers, you know, and um, I think Nebraska's kind of recruited him more as a wide receiver. Um, But I mean, either way, that's just a guy you want to get in your program and you'll, you'll figure it out later, you know, where he's going to play. But yeah, I absolutely agree. I don't think you know, Malachi Coleman's coming if Nebraska starts slowly. And that's that's with this entire recruiting class. That's why this season is so important. You know, the recruiting has started to turn around. They're getting guys in the state of Nebraska, which was always, you know, a big thing. And, um, you know, it was tough to see, you know, some guys over the past few years leave, you know, guys from Omaha, um, you know, like that kid from Burke that went to Arizona State. Um, but, you know, so it you know the 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 class looks great right now. I mean they've got fourteen you know commitments and um and they're getting a bunch of four stars. They're in they're in it with a you know some other four stars like Coleman. Um and I but you know if if Scott Frost you know is getting fired this season, then that recruiting class it's all going to fall apart. I mean none of those kids are probably going to commit if Scott Frost ends up getting you know fired. You probably keep some of them, but you know it's. To me, that's the worst possible scenario for Nebraska football because then it's you're starting over from scratch again. And I just I know that there's some people that are kind of sick of Scott Frost, but I don't think you know a total reboot is a uh, is the is the best thing for Nebraska football either. No, I don't think so either. And you know, you not only would you lose, you know, Scott Frost, but in terms of recruiting, say Mickey doesn't stay, you lose 
the Louisiana pipeline, you lose the Texas pipeline that you're trying to build. And I mean, Mickey just slanted Omarion Miller most recently. And, you know, he, I believe at the time, the recruiting rankings can fluctuate. He was Nebraska's 15th highest rated recruit ever. So losing, you know, the pipeline to Louisiana, you know, we talk about it all the time. It's hard to get kids to leave Louisiana because of the stranglehold LSU has on the state. Well, I mean, now we have some, so I would hate to lose that as well. I mean, getting kids out of Louisiana to play for Nebraska is big. And, you know, I just, that's why I think that Mickey is going to be the head man if Scott leaves because there's just too many, you know, factors that will go Mickey's way to, you know, warrant him staying. And I think, you know, we'll see how the season plays out. But as far as Scott goes, you know, this is a huge year for him. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. It's really interesting because I think Mickey is the only person on staff that would make sense of that. I just don't see Mark Whipple as like a, you know, a major head coach. That's just, that's just me. He kind of, to me, he feels like Don Brown, you know, somebody that yeah. can be a really good coach. But yeah, I could see Mickey Joseph. But outside of that, I mean, it's, it's hard to, honestly, like, it's hard to think of names you know, who you would, I know there would be interest in the job, but you know, just outside of it, I can't really think of anybody that like, I would want Nebraska to go get. Yeah. And, and the other thing is Mark, Mark Whipple's age, not that he's not sharp or anything, but at his age, why would you want to deal with the stress of being a head coach again? I mean, you can be the offensive coordinator, make close to a million dollars. You know, you, you just had Kenny Pickett to your name as a coach He's got a nice gig right now. I mean, I don't know why he would want to deal with the stress of being a head coach because I said this on Twitter yesterday. I believe I said it in one of the group chats. I would not want this Nebraska job. There is just too much pressure and, you know, too much, you know, desire to succeed. And I'm not saying I would want to coach, you know, a losing program or not have have a winning mentality. But, you know, the vultures can come for you if you don't win quickly and, Sometimes you can in college football. Yeah, I think the you know you talk about the pressure. Um, Steve Sipple, who's on, he's working for on three right now. He's always been one of my favorite Nebraska guys. But he pointed out that you know Scott Frost looked really aged yesterday from where he you know like like these first four years were like the term of a presidency. I mean he he looks he looks ragged. He looks tired, and I think it's really warm. I mean I just remember his face after the Michigan game, you know, last year, a game Nebraska really should have won, you know, or they, Adrian Martinez fumbled the ball and basically gave Michigan the winning points away. Yep. You know, it's like, that's not, how was that Scott Frost's fault? You know, I mean, he had his team in the position to win and the guys just aren't making plays. So I feel like, you know, he has, he, he has done things that haven't been great, but at the same time, you know, guys just have to produce and, you know, this team has had the talent and it's just, I don't know, the program's kind of been snake bit in the last few years. And like I have to believe that this year is the year they finally, you know, get it right in, in some ways. I'm hoping like one step forward, you know, even seven and six, just something to, you know, get the positive momentum moving forward with this program. I have to say, even the Michigan State game aged me horribly. That one was one where that one really hurt me. That one really hurt. And you know, we wonder why he ages so quickly. Games like that were why. Um, but, yeah, I mean, 
you know, you've heard it a lot. We've all heard it a lot. We were really so close last year, and I don't believe our record reflected the performance of last year, but nobody wants to hear that. Let's be honest. They just want to win, and that's why I believe this year is huge. It really is. Yeah, you know, the schedule didn't do Nebraska any favors. I mean, it was brutal last year. They still – It was. You know, the the games – yeah, the Michigan State game was – you know, the just punting to the wrong side of the field. I mean, that was like a freshman – that's something you'd see in a freshman high school football game, frankly. You know, there just is no excuse for that. Um, and then the other game – I the, the game I thought where I really put on Scott Frost was the Illinois game. Nebraska just did not look prepared. He got outcoached by Brett Bielema. You know, and that was, that was a game Nebraska should have won. And that just set the tone for the entire season. And that's why I think, you know, if you look at, you know, one game this year that Nebraska has to win, I know a lot of people have that Oklahoma game, you know, circled in the non-conference, but I think you have to beat Northwestern. Like you've, Mm -hmm. you cannot, you know, Northwestern, you beat them by what, 40, 50 points last year at home. Um, You know, they're coming off a three win season and they're going to be motivated for this game. And Pat Fitzgerald is one hell of a coach. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm nervous about it. I don't think it's a guaranteed win at all. And I think if you lose that game, you know, all the, um, momentum you built up over this off season is instantly gone. You know, the hot seat for Scott Frost instantly gets hotter than it's ever been before. And then that Oklahoma game, you know, to me basically becomes about saving his job, you know, and it's almost a must win game to save his job, you know, depending how the rest of the season goes, instead of that being the game where maybe Nebraska can get to, you know, if they beat Northwestern and take care of business, they're going into that Oklahoma game with a chance to, you know, get to like 4-0. and And I just think, you know, the way that the, the mindset going into that game is going to be much different if they can, you know, get that win over Northwestern and get some momentum early in the season. And if you look at, you know, recent games between Nebraska and Northwestern, last year's game was a bit of an anomaly. You look at the 2019 game, that's the one I remember – you know, the most vividly when I believe it was Lane McCallum at the time who kicked a game-winning field goal to beat Northwestern. And then I believe in 2020, it was a close game as well. So, you know, not only are the Wildcats going to be hungry and wanting to play, they're also a tough team. Pat Fitzgerald always has his team prepared and they always play, you know, a you know running style of football you know, pound the rock type of, you know, style. And, you know, it can make things difficult for Nebraska, especially if they're not ready. But, I mean, I agree with you definitely. Northwestern is a key game. It's the opener. It can set the tone. And hopefully this team is ready because I sure know Northwestern will be. Yeah, is that uh... – Crazy to think that, you know, the Huskers are hitting the practice field today. You know, it's uh, I know we're starting a little earlier than most teams, but yeah, Nebraska's, you know, going to be out on the field today. Yeah, it is crazy. It is crazy, especially because it, you know, the, the Iowa game feels not that long ago, but, you know, I like starting early. I like to kind of, you know, get the first game out of the way, see, see, see what we have to work with. And then, um, you know, it's 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 going to be a good a good schedule of games. There's good opponents. Yes, there's some easier ones thrown in at the beginning, but I mean, if Nebraska wants to take the next step, they need to win these games. And as many uh, Nebraska fans know, there is no guarantee. So that's what makes these Saturdays a whole lot of fun. 
Yeah, and it's going to be – you can just feel – I mean, you can just feel the entire way of like the Nebraska – the state of Nebraska really. Like it's just – it's weighted down for these last like five years. And it's – the Nebraska fans just need a winner. You know, we don't need to win the Big Ten West this year, although, I mean, I would love that. I, I do think Nebraska should be competing for that every single year. Of course, that's going to maybe change if, you know, USC and UCLA join the division. But – um yeah, you know, this, this program just needs to get back on track. And uh, I think there's lots of reasons to be excited about, you know, this season, though. Um, what do you think about USD, UCLA joining the Big Ten? Well, it makes a lot of sense in terms of money because I believe um, the Big or Fox Sports owns 70% of the Big Ten network. I believe that's the amount off the top of my head. So I can see why. Uh, USC and UCLA did it for TV rights, um, you know, in terms of, you know, how they play. I am kind of scared of USC, especially, you know, with Mario Cristobal no longer at, at Oregon and now in, in Miami, Lincoln Riley can absolutely dominate the entire West Coast in terms of recruiting. So I think he's going to really build a good program at, at USC and, Let's be real here. The uh, L.A. NIL money doesn't hurt either. So I think he has a lot of things working in his favor. UCLA, I don't know too much about because, let's face it, USC gets most of the headlines in terms of college football in California. So, But, I mean, I can see why both programs did it. It was a money move. Now, you know, I'm going to be excited to see how they play in cold weather in November, a nice snowy game in Lincoln for those two teams could work in our favor and it could be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's going to be, I'm interested to see how the big 10 lays out the divisions. Um, I'm assuming that obviously UCLA and um, USC would be, you know, in the West of some sort. And I honestly think yeah. if there's a, you know, if they, if they do something like with the ACC or, you know, you have one of those, you know, three set rivals every year, I honestly think UCLA and Nebraska makes a lot of sense as a, a a yearly rivalry game, um, you know, Nebraska. Not that they've had a ton of history, but you know, they they had a, they had a series, you know, in the early '90s. They played, um, you know, about ten years ago. They had a home and home. And I mean, I just think with Nebraska being the farthest west Big Ten team, I think it makes a lot of sense. And for Nebraska, I think it would make a ton of sense because you know, one thing about the Big Ten that's always been a struggle for Nebraska is they've it's been weird recruiting. You know, the Big Twelve suited Nebraska so much better because they could really go into Texas and, um, you know, the Southwest where, you know, the Midwest was hard for Nebraska to break into. They're not getting into Pennsylvania and Ohio. You know, it's just kind of a strange area. So I think playing in California is going to give Nebraska a big opportunity to, you know, recruit out there. There's tons of Nebraska fans out there. And I think if the Huskers are playing out there every year, you know, I think that can be a nice chance to, you know, kind of build a new recruiting base in California like they used to have in Florida, like back in the, you know, the Tom Osborne days when they used to go to the Orange Bowl all the time. But it's also going to give USC and UCLA a chance to get the linemen from the Midwest. So I'm going to be intrigued to see how that plays out. And you mentioned uh, UCLA and Nebraska playing. The last time these two teams played was the Foster Farms Bowl in 2015 when Nebraska beat them 37-29. So it's been it's been a little bit since a Nebraska made a bowl game. Big surprise there. I've heard that one every single day. And then B, since these two teams played each other, so it's going to be 
it's going to be fun. But I'm curious to see how the recruiting battles play out. Like you just said, you know, can Nebraska get back into California? And then on, and then in terms of what I'm looking for, just can, you know, Nebraska keep the linemen home, keep, you know, those kids in state home and not have them go out to the West. Um, and really quick to kind of touch back on recruiting, we kind of got lost the way, um, you know, distracted a little bit, but who do you, uh, there, there's kind of been the, the Leonard to Lincoln's kind of been trending a little bit. Who do you, who do you predict is going to be Nebraska's next commitment in the 2023 class? I'm going to say Leonard because I've heard, you know, that he is kind of trending that way. I'm not sure why he hasn't made an announcement yet, but I'm going to say Leonard. And I think Nebraska's done a good job of, you know, finding edge rushers. They got O'Shawn Mathis at the beginning of May, and, you know, they're really looking to shore up that position. And although Leonard's not an edge rusher, he has a ton of explosiveness. He's a very quick-moving athletic defensive lineman, and that's what you need in, in today's game of football. Yeah, it's uh, things, you know, there's been obviously the crystal ball projections and a lot of talk about, you know, Leonard, I think, um, you know, it's hopefully he'll uh, announce that commitment soon because it seems like when you're the favorite, you know, you want him to get that, you want him to make that announcement public, you want him to get it out there. And so hopefully we'll see that sometime this month. You know, if not, I might get a little bit worried about that. I always worry when you see the crystal balls trend and then nothing happens, you know, when <laughs> That quiet time always worries me. So we'll see. I don't think he's got an, a date announced yet. But, uh, yeah, from right now, it looks like he would be added to the class, which would be, you know, another big-time addition, another top 300 recruit and, you know, getting another four-star uh, for the future, which, I, which is huge. Which is why I think we need to keep this current staff because we've gotten more four-stars, you know, than in any time that I can recently remember. So uh, the momentum is trending in recruiting. It's just about, again, showing the results on the field. Yep. And, uh, you know, I really do believe, um, you know, Nebraska football, I don't think is ever going to be, you know, the program that it was in the 90s where, you know, they won three titles in four years. That's not going to that's not going to happen ever again. But I do believe that, you know, if Wisconsin can run the Big Ten West, so can Nebraska. You know, if Iowa can win the Big Ten West, Nebraska can, too. Nebraska should be better than those programs, um, you know, at least on the same level. I don't think it should ever be where, you know, Wisconsin or Iowa or Minnesota or any of them are viewed above Nebraska. Nebraska should be the class of the Big Ten West. We just got to get there. Yep. We got to get there. And you mentioned a program like Wisconsin. Two things that they've always had, a, a solid group of running backs and a good offensive line. And right now we need to kind of uh, – address both and establish both and then once we can do that i think we'll be suited to contend with the likes of you know wisconsin and let's face it right now even iowa yeah i mean iowa you know you can make fun of kirk ferentz all you want but the man knows how to win games you know he wins eight nine games every single year you know every november like i mean iowa will start like three and three and they'll finish like eight and four. You know, every November they're playing good football, and that's where Nebraska needs to get. You know, they need to find their winning formula. And um, you know, I don't know if it was, you know, the Scott was trying to do too much of the spread stuff. You know, I'm not sure what all the 
you know, the issues were. I mean, that first year they did have a good offense and they had Divine Zigbo as the running back. They've never found another replacement for that. And I really think, you know, I'm hoping that Anthony Grant can maybe be that. I think that's a bit of a stretch to think he can be Divine Zigbo, but, you know, they need a bell cow that, you know, can get them a few yards and not, I mean, they just, they had so many times last year where there was, you know, second and 10, third and 10. You, do, you can't live in that, you know, down and distance. And speaking just in terms of on-field production, just in terms of on-field production, losing Maurice Washington also hurt. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, we know what happened, but there's no doubt that he was an explosive running back. And, you know, kind of, he was kind of, in my opinion, viewed as somebody that could, you know, kind of carry the torch over into the next group of running backs in terms of explosiveness and playmaking ability and losing him, I think really hurt the program uh, in terms of trying to find another explosive back. Yeah, definitely. That was a huge loss. And then, you know, the, the whole Wandale Robinson thing. I mean, that just was a disaster in the fact that Nebraska wanted to play at running back. He wanted to play at receiver and then he goes to Kentucky and, you know, plays receiver and gets drafted. I mean, it just, so it seems like even when Nebraska has found talented players, you know, it hasn't worked out. And, um, you know, like Luke McCaffrey didn't work out. So it's, you know, Nebraska not only has to land these talented kids, but then they've got to find a way to get them to produce at Nebraska. So that's been the other big problem when they've gotten, you know, Turner Corcoran. I mean, when they've gotten the top 150, top 100 guys, they just haven't produced has been the other issue. Yeah. And, you know, the Luke McCaffrey situation, I mean, I liked him in the couple times I saw him. I didn't think he was going to be a Heisman Trophy winner by any means, but I feel like in terms of Wandale, they completely misused him. I mean, he was not a between-the-tackles running back. He was more of, honestly, a slot-wide receiver. And, you know, he bet on himself, went to Kentucky, and he won. So props to him. I mean, you know, he did what he thought was right, and that was a big one for Nebraska because there was sometimes, particularly in 2019 when he was their entire offense for certain games, Illinois in overtime kind of really sticks out in my mind. And then I believe there was another one. I can't remember. I kind of, I may have drank all of these away at some point, but <laughs> um, you know, he really was their entire offense and you know, it's just another, what could have been, so here's to hoping we can get a fresh start with a coaching staff that actually knows how to utilize talent. And I think that's what guys like Mickey and Mark can bring to the table. Um, so, yeah, I guess we'll transition towards the end here of our, our first podcast, the Husker Big Red podcast, the first of many episodes um, to come. But I guess just our last thought, you know, I thought we could each talk about maybe one one thing we're excited about, you know, coming into the 2022 season. What, what's one thing that gives you optimism that Nebraska can, you know, finally put it together and at least get to a bowl game this year? Honestly, the wide receivers, because I really think Mickey Joseph will be able to, you know, get the wide receiver room together and coach them properly. Um, I didn't have a problem with Matt Lubick, but I didn't think he was necessarily – the best coach, um, Mickey Joseph, mean, means business, and he has the recent track record to prove it. Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, DJ Chark. I mean, this guy knows how to get the most out of his players, and 
it's very clear that players like playing for him. And so I'm curious to see how Mickey can develop the wide receiver room because, quite honestly, development at the wide receiver room is something that Nebraska has really struggled with over the past couple of seasons. Um, yeah, I feel good about, you know, the receiver room too. And I think my biggest reason for optimism is uh, the quarterback position. And I think just having some actual depth there, you know, um, before there was a couple of years, you know, Adrian Martinez's first couple of years where he suffered some injuries and we had basically just walk-ons to replace it. If we had some quality depth, we would have made a bowl game in fr- probably Frost's first year as the head coach. So I think, you know, I, I do, I am excited about Casey Thompson, you know, I am a little worried that, you know, Texas didn't go to a bowl game last year, you know, so I don't know that he, he's got the proven stats, but I want to see him win. Um, I think there's a big thing, but I also really like, you know, Chubba Purdy. I think he has a, a nice long-term future. And so I think if um, Casey Thompson doesn't work out, you've got Purdy. I even like, you know, Smothers, I think played pretty well in that Iowa game. So I'm glad that he has, yeah. has stayed, you know, that he did. I was worried he would leave in the portal. Um, so I'm glad to see that they've got some depth. And I just think, if they can find some consistency there, I think that Nebraska is going to find a way to at least win six games this year. The thing about, you know, this quarterback room is that they all have, you know, a certain style. You could tell that Mark Whipple was looking for a certain style of, of quarterback. They can make quick reads. They get the ball out quickly. They stand in the pocket. They can run, but that's not their MO. And I think that's going to, kind of cut down on you know we talked about the confusion that Adrian Martinez had at times last year like he wasn't sure if he was supposed to run or if he was supposed to stay in the pocket I think having a set style and you know a type of quarterback that's the same all across the board will be able to help this offense a lot better um you know I truthfully not to go off on a tangent here but I don't think Mario Verduzco was the best quarterbacks coach, and I believe mixed signals could have happened, probably happened. I mean, you mentioned the drop-off from Adrian's freshman year of 2018 and into how he seemingly got worse over the following seasons. Um, Mark Whipple doesn't strike me as a guy that sends mixed, mixed signals. You know, he wants to have cohesion within the unit. He knows what he's doing, and, you know, I'm curious to see how this depth plays out because it is nice to have what I view as tangible depth. Yeah. Actual, uh, you know, not just, not just a guy on the depth chart, but guys that have experience that have talent, you know, that can play. And, uh, you know, that's why I, I like that they grabbed Thompson and Purdy. Cause I think, mm-hmm. you know, Purdy is a guy who, you know, Thompson can play this year and maybe beyond if he stays, but I think, you know, the ideal path is maybe Thompson starting this year and then, you know, Purdy can step in next year. And, you know, he was another talented guy. I mean, Whipple, before he left uh, Pittsburgh, he was trying to recruit Purdy to Pittsburgh. So I think that that shows you right there what he, you know, sees in that kid. The day before he announced, or it was announced that he was part of the Nebraska coaching staff, I believe it was December 9th it was announced. And then December 8th, the night before, uh, Purdy put out a tweet saying that Whipple had offered him and and there was a picture of Whipple at his house. So. I mean, maybe by then, you know, Whipple said, hey, I'm going to Nebraska, come here as well and follow me because coaches do that now with recruits and, you know, it's easier to transfer now more than ever. But I'm curious to see, you know, how this depth shakes out. I mean, you know, there are some rumblings or there were some questions as to 
Will anybody challenge Casey for the starter spot? Challenge, yes. Win it, I don't think so at this point. Um, but, you know, again, I wouldn't be surprised if Casey has a good season this year. Maybe he leaves, then Chuba slides into the starting role. I mean, you know, you would have to think that with a quarterback of Purdy's caliber, yes, he hasn't shown much at the collegiate level quite yet, but, you know, he's good enough to get a starting job somewhere else. So I think we may see Thompson leave sooner rather than later and then have Purdy slide in to be the starter. As long as the as long as long Nebraska gets a winning season this year, yeah. that's all that matters, no matter who's the quarterback. Yeah. yeah, personnel, I mean, I don't care if they put the third stringer out there. If they win games, then I'm good with that. I mean, <laughs> right now we're all desperate for wins and – I think this was, you know, th- this whole offseason was just about emptying the tank and throwing everything you had with the resources that you have, and now let's hope it pays off. Yeah, it's going to be, I think it's going to be an exciting season. I'm excited to uh, do that, and I guess, um, you know, before we go, I guess we should talk give ourselves a little bit of a, a plug so if people want to follow your written work the great cornholio.org tell us a little bit about that danny so that website i'll just say really quickly i just started on my own i was let go from a certain company won't get into that but um i managed to transfer all my work over to my website which can be found on my twitter page and then i believe my Twitter handle is at Neb Cornholio because I couldn't fit in Nebraska. Let me just make sure on that really quickly so I don't mislead any of you. Yep, that's what it is. So if you want to follow me at Neb Cornholio, you'll see my unfiltered, oftentimes crazy thoughts, especially on game day, and you never know what you're going to get. So it's always a fun ride for everybody. <laughs> and that's what we're here for, man. Nebraska, Nebraska we've got to suffer together. <laughs> absolutely what are you doing these days chris where can people find you well we're uh so i'm excited here with uh husker we're, we're starting the husker big red podcast here this is the first episode and we're gonna have a brand new website huskerbigred.com um danny and i yeah we used to work at another nebraska website for another company and we're, we're back together here now and uh i'm gonna be bringing some great content on huskerbigred.com and that should be launching sometime this week maybe possibly today or tomorrow just trying to work out a few Ooh. of the uh, the final bugs on the old website but today would definitely be cool but i'll be waiting tomorrow equally uh, e- equally as excited to see what you can do because you put together great content so i'm happy to reconnect and see where this thing goes yeah man it's fun to to talk some nebraska football again so um yeah yeah we're uh, you definitely are going to want to follow along with this podcast it's going to be you know unfiltered opinions you know nothing like none of the crap that you'll see from the omaha world herald you're going to get the real you know the real talk about nebraska football here no holds barred maybe some dramatics like the omaha world herald but nothing too crazy over the top yeah. Some, you know, fans are a little crazy. I mean, I am, I have been, I am a sports journalist, you know, I've been a sports journalist for 15 years, but um, I lived in Nebraska when I was younger. I'm a hardcore Nebraska fan. So, you know, I, I do bring that to it. So you're, you're definitely going to get the, the fandom side of the coverage here. I can't wait to, you know, see and hear that. And especially if they have a winning season, then this will be even better. 
then we can all ruin our livers uh, drinking from celebration instead of uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Happy hangovers instead <laughs> yeah, of horrible happy. hangovers. Happy, yeah, exactly. All right. Well, on that note, that seems like a perfect note to end the first episode of the Nebraska the Husker Big Red podcast. Um, you know, a podcast for hardcore Husker fans. So like and subscribe. Uh, make sure you give us a follow, and uh, we'll plan on having episode two out next week. Yeah, sounds good to me. All right, go Big Red. Go Big Red. <laughs>